Good morning, good morning. Welcome to River City. We're so glad that you are with us, whether you're joining us in person or in line. We're glad that you're here with us this morning. If you're watching online, say hello. We'd love to be able to interact with you. Um, if you guys will stand with me as we read the psalm heading into worship. Um, we're going to be reading from Psalm 71 this morning. And if it's easier for you to settle into being present this morning by closing your eyes, feel free to do that or read the words and take them in, whatever um, will posture, help you posture your heart towards worship this morning. And you, O Lord, I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel. For you, O Lord, are my hope and my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from, leaned from my birth. It was you who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. If you'll pray with me. This morning we choose to come into this space and to come into this room, God, and it is for the purpose of exalting your name. It is the reminder that all of this is for you and we want to do nothing apart from you. Would you meet us in this place? And would your name be lifted higher than every other name? And would your name be lifted high above the chaos and the unknown and the confusion that the world throws at us? May we cling to you and find hope in you. And may joy begin to bubble up inside us. The joy that comes from you and the joy that is our strength this morning. We thank you and we glorify your name. Amen. This morning when we were having pre-service prayer, I was sitting over here and I could just see Jesus in the room just sitting. Um, just so happy to be here. Just so at peace. Just so ready to see each person that's here. And as we were singing, um, about him still being able to do miracles. I was watching him look across the room, just waiting for somebody to look at him. I feel like there's people in our, in our body right now that really need a touch of God. They really actually need a miracle. If he doesn't come through, it's not gonna happen and it's not gonna work. And I just saw him looking around the room this morning saying, who wants it? Who wants me? I'm here. And that might be every single person in the room, honestly, but if there's something that you desperately need Jesus to break into your life this morning, I just want us to take a second and give that to him. Just confess it to him. Just tell him, I really can't do this unless you come through for me, unless you show up. 
They were singing, His name is power, His name is life. And I just want to remind us that Jesus wasn't a man that came, He is alive. Jesus is a person. Truth is a person. He's here right now. He's alive. He's listening. He's active. He sees your heart. He sees our heart this morning. And so, Father God, Abba, Father, we just come together and we just pray, God of peace, for all the people in the whole world, in their daily life and in their work, in their homes, in their cars, for our families, for our friends, for our neighbors, for all those who are alone, for this community and for this nation and for the whole world, God, for those who work for justice, for those who are working for freedom, for those who are working for peace, for the just and the proper use of your creation, for the victims of hunger and fear, injustice and oppression, for all those who are in danger, for all those who are in sorrow, for all those who are in any kind of trouble, for all those who minister to the sick, the friendless and the needy, for the peace and the unity of the church of God, for all who proclaim the gospel and all who seek the truth, for all who serve in your church, beloved. Lord, have mercy. In the effort to dismantle racism, we understand that we struggle not merely against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Those institutions and systems that keep racism alive by perpetrating the lie that some members of our family are inferior and others are superior. Good and gracious God, who loves and delights in all people, we stand in awe before you this morning knowing that the spark of life within each person on earth is the spark of your divine life. Differences among cultures and races are multicolored manifestations of your light. May our hearts and minds be open to celebrate similarities and differences among our sisters and our brothers. We place our hopes for racial harmony in our committed action and in your presence in our neighbor. May all peoples live in peace. Lord, have mercy. And I'm going to quote Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. When our eyes do not see the gravity of racial justice, shake us from our slumber and open our eyes, O Lord. When out of fear we are frozen, into inaction. Give us a spirit of bravery, O Lord. When we try our best, but say the wrong things, give us a spirit of humility, O Lord. When the chaos of what we're experiencing now dies down, give us a lasting spirit of solidarity, O Lord. When it becomes easier to point fingers outwards, help us examine our own hearts, O Lord. God of truth, in your wisdom, enlighten us. God of hope, in your kindness, heal us. Creator of all people, in your generosity, guide us. Racism breaks your heart. So God, break our hearts. We are your beloved children. Break our hearts for what breaks yours, O oh Lord. 
ever-present God, you called us to be in relationship with one another and promised to dwell wherever two or three are gathered. We're gathered this morning, Lord. You promised you're here. In our community, we are many different people. We come from many different places and we have many different cultures. Open our hearts that we may be bold in finding the riches of inclusion and the treasures of diversity among us. We pray this in faith. Lord Jesus, have mercy. Amen. You've already heard about this once or twice, but next week we start kind of a three-month-long emphasis on we all go together, and you're going to hear each week what specifically we believe that to mean for our body. And really, this is the fruit of a season of prayer. This is not just a good idea we've had. This is what has come out of staff and wise council spending some time in prayer together. And part of that is next week you're going to hear about some staff-related updates to some of the roles on our staff that we spent a long season praying into, what the church needs, who's here, what to set people free into. And so you'll hear that at the beginning of next week. But I would say go ahead and decide to be present unless you have to be online because you're still social distancing, which much of our body is but be present together in that space with us for that time period. And it'll end on our birthday, which is May 1st, which is two weeks after Easter's, which is April 17th. So it's going to be a really neat season. We're going to travel through Lent and Holy Week or Prayer Week, if you will. So I'm super excited about it. But next week, we're going to give some of those staff updates about their roles. You've heard some from Bill and Becca over the past couple weeks, but you'll hear some more next week. But today is the second part of um, a pot of ours. Everybody say pot. pot. Everybody's talking about pot in church. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Prayers of the season. That's, we have six of these this season, and this is one that we stepped into last year, and then I got about halfway through the message and we had groups break out into conversations that lasted about 20 to 30 minutes. And so um, I want to finish what I had started at that point. But as I do, I just want to start by saying I definitely feel out of my depth in this conversation, feel insufficient. I'm by no means an expert, nor do I desire to be an expert. I just want to continue it and be a part of it. And we're, so we're going to do that as a church, and we're going to continue to do that as a church. But keep that in mind as I share what I believe from the scriptures and what I believe God's leading us into right now, because I think it's important. And last time, if you weren't here, I read this pot. I'm going to read it to you now. And this is after prayer as well. We kind of landed on this collection of explanations for each pot. This one is, Lord, we thank you that you are the ultimate reconciler. And we believe that your desire for the body of Christ is one that honors your image and all of your people. So open our eyes and ears and minds to the ways we have constructed an unequal society and stir in our, in our spirits a desire to make meaningful change in this generation of believers. Give us the strength to challenge our practices, preferences, and assumptions that we might model true unity in this body and move the world around us towards reconciliation with one another and in you. So I spoke from Acts 2 last time which I've kind of landed on it being the framework for what we're going to step into in the next season as well. But last time we talked about Acts 2, I shared that I've recognized this chapter specifically of being the chapter where the power of God came through a collection of people 
and they began to speak in tongues. But I got to highlight last time that this miracle is actually the gift of hearing and speaking a language that someone hears clearly. Basically stepping outside of your own language to understand and even speak, and the, and the disciples didn't even know that's what's happening. They begin to speak in other languages and people hear the gospel in their native tongues. So it's really like a celebration of the people that were coming upon the city from all over, being able to then clearly hear the message of Jesus in the language that's already native to them. Now that's not necessarily what I've thought of this passage as I've grown in it. This to me is the passage that is evidence for the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I don't want it to just end there. I don't want us to miss that there's a collection of people waiting, desperate, for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I don't want us to miss that the biggest part of this book is a complete focus on the person and work of Jesus. Peter's sermon. Who remembers Peter's sermon? I get chill bumps every time I read his sermon. Such boldness and bravery to, to travel through the whole narrative of Jesus, through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and then what that means. And then we see it end in what I would call the desire for almost every church planter to have a church like. And so I want to read you this. This is the end of Acts 2. You've probably all heard it. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all believed and were together and had all things in common. Wouldn't that just be great? I mean, I don't, maybe some of you don't feel like that would be great, but in my estimation, I've always felt like that's just, that sounds like rosy. And I think we put that on our mission statements and we desire it. And as we step into churches, most of us consumeristically, because we're Western cultured people and things are geared towards us, we have this barometer. Are these things happening in this space? But I think we forget to recognize the process of 42 through 47 came because of the process of 1 through 41. We want this fruit. Are we willing to be the people that wait on God? Are we willing to be re-centered around the person and work of Christ? Think about this passage. These people are waiting. They don't even know what's going to happen. They're not like, we're going to wait here because all of a sudden we're going to speak everyone's language. They're like, we were told to wait here by the Spirit of God and by Jesus. So they wait. They start to speak and they still don't even understand. They don't understand what's happening. People are hearing, but they don't really clearly understand what's happening. As soon as that episode is over, Peter's message rises to the surface. A focus on Jesus. This is formation. Formation draws us to a waiting and a seeking and a dependence and a humility. We don't necessarily have the answers. And then to the realization that formation is and will always be about the person and work of Jesus. And in the person and work of Jesus as a community embodies that and embraces it, the fruit is then possible. But you don't get this fruit without that stuff. And I think it's similar in the work of race and reconciliation. But I think it's for us such a massive opportunity to be invited in this. From a different perspective and from a different lens, can you pull up the, I have three slides I'd like to share with you that I didn't get to last time. This is from Black Liturgies. And this is a perspective on this passage. Pentecost reminds us that the Spirit of God rejects assimilation under the guise of unity. The story is not just about diversity, it's not tokenism, it's the sound of excluded voices making something whole again. You can go on to the next one. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Such a good question. 
question. Have we considered this aspect of this power of the Spirit to give us such selflessness that we speak in a way that others can actually hear, which means people have been listening? Have you been gifted with the power of the Spirit to listen to someone's story that you might not understand or get? Have you been gifted to the point in someone else's narrative to help as they share their brokenness and their woundedness and to not question if their woundedness is real? That's the power of the Spirit at work, I believe. The next one, and this is the longest one. God of every tongue, we are grateful that in the presence of your Spirit, we are not asked to forget ourselves, but to remember them. To remember where we came from, the sound of our own cultures and languages. Help us to heal from those spiritual places which have demanded assimilation from us under the guise of unity. We've been told that to belong is to diminish those things that make us different and exalt commonality. Teach us the kind of belonging that is not threatened by differences, but comes alive at the sight of inclusion. Protect us from communities who only welcome our culture as theatrical symbols of their own benevolence. I'm just saying, wow. Lead us into spaces where Our presence is longed for, not as a mark of achievement, but out of a deep recognition, the hope cannot survive on one tongue alone. That's that's praise lappable. So, and I say that and read that with a clear humility that I am a learner and not an expert. And so just to preach on something like racial reconciliation is to me a space that I am not comfortable with. There's been this happening all week for all the different reasons, but I'm so honored that we get to talk about these things in a community, right? Because I long for Acts 2, 42 through 47, and I see that it only happens through these ways in which we open ourselves to humility and seeing each other and celebrating each other. And I see the flaws in the ways in which our culture does these things. So I don't see that it's possible without the Spirit drawing us, getting us to wait, and without a focus on Jesus Christ, because the DNA of a Christian, right? The DNA of every believer has this in mind. This is not just a thing we add. This is a part of the culture of Christianity. And from the beginning, the mystery of the gospel was that Gentiles would be included in this, and that was instant tension. So they were dealing with this right off the bat. It was, it was right at, at the start of everyone's experience was being in a room with someone who there were levels in society and having to deal with what does it look like to now be brother and sister, right? To now be in a room with someone we're now all equal in this, it was part of the DNA and it's still part of our DNA. And so I want to just kind of share for a moment on a second passage from the book of Acts. Before I do that, I want to read a couple things. So, This was read last time, and I think it's a good basis for reconciliation. It's 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God, we, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, are entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Now, that's a broad scope picture of what it means to be reconciled to God, but it also is a call to the way in which we embody relationship, kinship, and connection in our cities and in our church. So I think right off the bat, we have to really be aware of the things that we bring to this conversation, right? Why would there be a strong 
Why is it that in us there's a strong quickness to question that there's validity to this? Why is that there? Why is that present? What wounds are in the room that we're in right now that need to be shared, right? Since the first time I shared this, at least three people of color from our body have shared openly with me about their right now experiences with racism. Not experiences from 60 years ago, their right now experiences. To me, it was a blessing to be able to hear that and to see that there's a space that it can be talked about, but also to see that this is a very real issue, even if it doesn't hit me every day. So thank you for those that have been able to share. Thank you for helping me to see, and I pray that that becomes what our body is for one another, that in our woundedness and in our trauma, when it's presented, it's not questioned or combated or even debated, but listened to, even if it feels different or outside of our understanding. Does that make sense? I mean, that's, that's any woundedness. I can remember, I was just sharing with somebody this week about my my time in rehabilitation as a teenager and how when I came back from that, my brokenness in relationship, I didn't feel that I could necessarily be in conversation with anyone about my brokenness. I felt like brokenness was something you needed to hide. Trauma that you experienced or even given to others is something that you don't necessarily discuss. But I've learned over the past 10 years in ministry that the more that I can share my woundedness in safe spaces with people, the more freedom and healing I get. But there have to be people that are able to hear those things, right? There have to be people that create space to say, I don't necessarily understand your brokenness, Josh, but I'll hear you. And there's healing just in that, right? That's such a beautiful gift for any community to give to any individual. I would love for that to be a part of our community where we can hear the traumas, especially of racism that happen and still happen. So I want to read you a quote really quickly. Um, So this is... uh, I can't remember the title of the book, but it'll come up here. In, this, in his book, What... There, there, there you go, right there. In his book, What a Way to Live, Dr. Tony Evans references a, a conversation between Dr. Billy Graham and an interviewing network. Dr. Graham was asked, if you could eradicate any problem in America, what would it be? Dr. Graham said, answered very quickly and very directly, the racial division and strife in our nation. And I think that's important as a framework to hear what I'm about to share with you. And I'm going to read you Acts 16, which is a framework on how to create space for this. So if you want to open up your Bible, you can. Um, I'm going to read to you Acts 16, 16 through 34, and then give you a few um, ideas in the starting points. So this is a collection from an essay from Chris Williamson that I can make available on the prayer wall as well and even attach to um, our weekly this week because it has some really good information. And so here it is. And this is kind of a strange entry, so stay with me on this. As we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. And Paul just, Paul doesn't even care. Like, Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. And that was enough for them to hear. 
specifically that they're Jews disturbing the city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept our practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and this was all sanctioned just by beliefs present in that culture. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safe. Just, I just want you to just keep that in your mind. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they ordered the jailer to keep them safe. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And then Jesus, God just starts doing God stuff, right? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. That, that would have been extremely shameful for him. Supposing that the prisoners had escaped, but Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. (laughs) And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. If you just pray with me for a second. Lord, Father, Jesus, I love that over these past few months you've shared with me that you're going to bring life to the scriptures for our body. That that as we integrate and and invest in and create space to to read your active and living word, your enchanted word even, as Dr. Johns would say, that we are brought to life and we allow that word to then move and shake us and shape us and even land well. So in this word today, this word to the starting of the churches, figuring out how to get it going with all of these leaders to this prison experience and to this situation, God, bring life to these words. Let us remember, but let us interact with it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So I wanna share with you six things from this passage. I'm gonna put them all on one one slide. I'm just gonna share briefly with them, and then we're gonna pray about them. So a blueprint, blueprint for kingdom diversity, racial reconciliation always requires these things, and they're from this passage. The number one thing is mercy. And mercy is what's experienced right off the bat when this jailer realizes what's happening, and he receives grace from Paul. And a question we can ask in our lives about those who are being treated in a wrong way is who in our life right now needs to receive mercy? That's a great starting point. Who needs mercy right now just touching my life, making a list of it? Number two, it requires humility. And it requires humility all through the book of Acts. In Acts 2, we see the humility of desperation for God. Here we see the humility of the jailer instantly understanding that he is wrong. 
He's brought someone into jail and partnered with a collection of people who have put someone wrongly. And they find out later that they're Roman citizens. Do you guys remember this part at the end? Oh, and they're like, oh, they're Roman citizens? So it's even wrong. But they've got the humi- he's got the humility to evaluate the situation and understand. And to me, the starting point for any church, any prayer movement, any revival, any work in your personal life starts with humility. And it's like this, this process of entering the kingdom of God. It's like, I, I kind of see it like this. We enter our Christianity up here, and God is always down here. And, and typically, we're the, the center of the narrative in the story. All the way, as we travel closer, we travel closer, this begins to happen. And as we get closer to Jesus and grow in our walk with Jesus, humility is required to even exist in that space, to the point where now Jesus is head. But we don't start that way. Like That's why it's painful at first to be in a community, because you're like, well, all those people are idiots, because you feel like the space should be crafted to what you need, and that's all of us. That's what we all do. So it takes time for this work to get us to a spot where we're going low and Jesus is going high. But we can say Jesus is high here, but we can still be the center of our Christian story. There's too much of that happening right now, where we are personally the center of our Christian story. And Jesus needs to be the center of that story. Jesus has to be the center of the story. Because if he's not, then that community at the end, and I'm just going to riff here, becomes not about Jesus, but about somebody who's really gifted there. Or some collection of things that makes that a really good place to be. But they're really good at this there. It's not what it's about. It's not about that. If Jesus is primary, then leaders can come and go in that environment. And it would just feel like blessing. That doesn't happen if we're all the center of our own Christian experience. So God gives us opportunities to humble ourselves with each other and with him. And that is the grace of God. To me, confession, I used to, when I was a youth pastor, I used to avoid those conversations so much. To me, confession is such the heartbeat of the love of God. To know that I can express my brokenness and how I have broken others and be met with the grace and mercy of Jesus and then the ability to reconcile through my own wrongs to others to say to you, I'm really sorry I did that and not be like, I don't know why you're still mad at me about that. That's such the gift of the Jesus people to be the people that go low even if they didn't think they did it. I know I'm around somebody mature when somebody immature is challenging them and they're not needing to argue with them, even if it appears that they could be wrong. That's the kind of person I want mentoring me. And in some ways, he kind of is, and he's in this room in some ways. So it's Jesus and Craig. So thank you, Craig. (laughs) That's my next book. It's called Jesus and Craig. Amen? (laughs) Sorry, dude. Forgive me but I do have a love for you. All right, next thing, it requires Jesus. And this should be as simple as possible, but it's easy to have these conversations culturally and exclude the work of Jesus. And I just wanna say, I don't think it's actually possible. I don't think it's actually possible to have the kind of endings and spaces that are very uh, generative and helpful without Jesus. And it's, it's hard to sometimes include Jesus because a lot of people have attached to Jesus some of the abuses of poor leadership and what we can make of it. But I'm just telling you, like I think God is trying to restore in the church this picture of Jesus that's actually who Jesus is, which looks like Jesus in the Gospels. Like, we just need to be reminded, oh, this is actually what Jesus looks like in the Gospels, and not like we were told here. 
So that's why for me, and I was talking about this with Craig this past week, I, I want a place in a church where it's not quite seminary, but it's not just quite church. There's enough theology and an idea to understand so that we can't be taken astray by somebody like me that's just like, guess what else God told me? And they are like, oh, let's do that. And I'm like, yeah. That's how we know when we have a decent framework of theology, we can't be carried away by the winds of wickedness and doctrine that just is silly. Is it supposed to be about one person and their fame? No. Is it supposed to be about one church building? No. Is it supposed to be about a trend? No, it's supposed to be about what it's been about, Jesus, throughout the centuries. So I've started to actually enjoy these churches throughout the centuries that seemed very boring. And, and I used to be like, well, that was boring. And, you know, we're, we're Christians now, and we can make this super attractive, right? Like, let's make it a five-star experience, and, like, let's just blow them away. But then there's these churches that for, like, 300 years were faithful. And you can't pick one person out. They weren't like, but remember that guy that was in there? Nobody remembers him because they were all just the same. They just remained faithful and met underground and prayed and somehow was sustained by the Spirit for that many years, and now we have the gospel. So let's make it better than they did, right? Let's make it better and, and like wow. Jesus is waiting for us to wow him. It's like finally somebody got that fog machine correct. I've been waiting on the communities to really embody the spirit of the fog. I'm sorry. Fourth, washing wounds. This is my favorite part of this whole thing, and I do get teary-eyed. In my heart, my heart's eye. Um, whether or not this jailer actually had a hand in the wounds, which he didn't, he recognized the ability and the willingness to wash them. He could have said, I did had no part in that. I had no part in that. So I don't know why you're looking at me. He didn't. He said, these wounds need to be washed and parts of my tribe have caused this pain. So I'm willing to wash the wounds that are presently there. He didn't pretend like they weren't there. He was like, you're not still sick, are you? (laughs) No. He was able, and they were actual wounds, right? You heard, they they were beaten in the streets. What kind of healing happens mutually in that space? Of course, he didn't physically do it. He can't be blamed for it but he was willing to wash wounds. We have to stop arguing whether someone's trauma is real. Like, if it's real, listen. Ask for the Spirit of Jesus to help. I mean, a good question for me to ask, would would I be a safe person for somebody to share woundedness like this with? Would they feel that they can actually share it with me? Or would they feel that I would be defensive about whether or not politically that is actually even correct? Right? And it leads me to the next thing, which is fellowship, which is this, this transitions from, <laughs> this is where it's so great. This jailer basically becomes a follower of Paul because of Jesus and then is in submission to Paul. It's basically, pa- he's pastoring this person now. But not only that, like he's invited Paul and everyone into their home. Everybody's getting saved People, we don't even know, just could be like 84 people in there. Your whole house gets saved, you're having a meal, and when you're having a meal with someone, it's a lot harder, one of the articles said, when someone's passing around biscuits, it's a lot harder to argue about politics. When kids are laughing and playing in the corner, it's a lot harder to argue about preference politically, right? Like, it is easier to have conversations and get to know someone, and even to experience what someone cares about in their home, 
to share a meal. Fellowship should be clear that to share meals only with people that have all the same preferences of, that I have can't be the, the church, right? Like that can't be what's talked about in Revelation with every tribe and tongue, every nation represented. So how, how am I setting myself up in ways, and I'll just kind of share how I feel about this, like who, who is speaking into me that doesn't look like me? Who am I submitted to that's not just like me? Where, where in our leadership as a church are we praying to get so it doesn't just look like me? These things are important, right? And creating space to have meals with people where you're hosted and the host, right? It's, it's a sharing experience where you fellowship around. And, and for this culture to have a meal with someone, actually, the jailer could have been killed for that. Like, that's how much is at stake for hospitality and kindredness and, and connection. And for us, it's not. Like, we can just meet at a place and have discussions with people that aren't just like us. And that's a hard entry, I understand, but I think it's work that we have to pray through doing. And then last, I think justice is one that, you know, and Sarah and I had a conversation about justice this week, and she shared really openly and really transparent, just kidding. <laughs> she was going um, about how she's getting to the point in her Christianity where it's just, she wants to really lean into the idea of really lovingly accepting people, like just as a framework. But we also had a conversation about two, like, Justice is really all through the Bible. Like it's, it's not a side note in one of the chapters that we serve a just God that is operating in justice and wanting to bring justice to our world is a, is a thread. I would actually say it's a trait and a character trait of God. So when does the Christian need to speak with a voice that's not just everything's good? And I'm not saying she's, she actually models a lot of the way we can live Christianity in a way that I look up to, and I admire it, so I'm not saying she's not doing this, but we do need to operate in the gift and the voice that we have about the things that need to be spoken of that are broken. How do we do that? That takes the work of the Spirit and community. That does not look like us trying to form a name around our church about it. That looks like partnering with the Spirit for the work of Jesus so that reconciliation can happen and so that this can be almost like a consulate or an embassy for all, tr- all tongues, tribes, and nations to feel like this space is the kingdom of God space. This is not just an American space, right? This is not just a national space. This, the, the kingdom of God is much broader than any country or state, any of that. It's way above. There's no real, there's no partnering of that, right? Like that's not a thing that goes together and then you're like, Hallelujah. No, it's like, no, this and then this. And then this new connection we have, this new brotherhood and sisterhood, it way outlasts any, even so much that whoever you're married to is actually more your sister. Okay, I won't say that. That's a good thought to have, right? Sarah and I are brother and sister in Christ. And that's probably a deeper connection. Right? I'm just going to stop there. But justice, I think justice has to be prayed into and not just capitulated or recapitulated from something that we've heard. It has to be prayed into for the specific reasons for this city, for us now. And I think we get to do that. That's exciting to me. And so I would, I'm going to pray about these in a minute with you. And I want to continue these conversations throughout this year. And I want to I say to anyone, I recommend for myself and for you to create space where people can actually share where they're broken. And if this, and it's not, it's not an if, 
This is an area of brokenness that's not talked about comfortably, and I think we just have to kind of step into those waters. And I think we got to do that together as a community. And so let's continue the conversation. I want to read you a prayer, and then we're going to pray together. And you can just follow along if you'd like to close your eyes. You can as well. So Lord, we pray for the heart position of humility. Humility in such a way that we do not cheapen our own worth or value within, but that we take the alignment that we are here for a greater purpose than just our own gain. We pray that you will highlight to us what it truly means to live a humble life and that our own worth will be revealed by your light. It is only then that we may truly live in freedom and right standing. For we will hold our own value correctly. Lord, we welcome you to mold and secure our hearts in true humility by your lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Just one last note. When that community of people in Acts 2 began to speak in other languages with fire over their head, they did not necessarily know the magnitude of what was happening. They were just available. And nobody knew that was coming. But the mission of the church is being represented in that scene. You don't just exist for you and your likes and your preferences. And sometimes God gives you such the power of the Holy Spirit, such the power manifested that it permeates through all of that selfishness, even if you don't know. It's like an invitation for God to say, partner with me in my mission. It won't be about you, but you'll be involved and you're going to love it. And that's what we're going after. So Jesus, today we're going to pray through these things. If you guys will stand with me. I can't pray for every church. I can pray for this one. So, Father, I just, I don't necessarily know the ways in which I'm broken and have helped this to not be a safe space. I can't point to exactly what that would be, but I'm sure that I have. And so I pray that you would help me to see clearly what to confess and ask you to bring healing in. I pray that there would be mercy for those that are in in wrong situation but wanting your freedom, Jesus. I pray that there would be a spirit of humility among our church. That's probably the thing I long for more than anything, that we would be a humble people. Jesus, I want to be so focused on you and your work that fruit can come. Help us to be a Jesus people in love with you. God, help us to wash wounds, but I I have a check when I even pray that, that there's some type of hero in me that thinks that I can become somebody who washes everyone's wounds. And I think there's just times when you're not asking me to be the person washing wounds. And so what does it look like to be in kinship with broken people where wounds need to be washed? Help us to be that kind of place, including our own wounds that we all carry. Help fellowship to happen, God. 
not the idealized version or the overemphasized version of connection for my people only and finding my people. I pray that you would break us from that and see that the, the church is our people and to foster that space. And God, let this be a, a church focused on the justice, God, that we would speak to the things you want us to speak to and we wouldn't hinder back from. We wouldn't just worship. God, I'm just reminded of the passage where it said you worship all day long, you pray all day long, you do all these things all day long, but it means nothing to me because you don't care about the oppressed. You don't care about the poor. You just worship and pray and nothing. And I don't want to be that church. So help us to be a church that worships you but also walks in justice. I'm just going to uh, hesitantly create a little bit of space for any prayer, any honoring prayer at this point for anyone here. This would be an appropriate space to pray. I'll give a few minutes and then I'll circle back around and we'll sing together. So I'll just say that kind of silence has the length of awkwardness that helps us to see how we probably need to pursue it as a community, right? I think I feel that I feel a grace of Jesus and the peace of Jesus leading us into that. I hope you feel the weight of it like I felt it. He's inviting us. So Father, we ask you to lead us into it. We thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
that you would go with us, go before us, and allow us to step deeper into your life this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Don't forget youth tonight. Any youth, love to have you. Sign up for groups. Much love to you all. for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.